Lord Jesus, we're asking for the power of your Holy Spirit to be spoken right now. Would you remove distractions and would you help us to understand what you have for us and what your plan is for us and through us in this world? In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys don't have a Bible, Aaron will hand you one right there. It's important to have a Bible. And we're going on a little bit of a detour tonight. We've been studying through the book of Acts. But I, last night, I really felt like I needed to address some of the things, that the questions that are going on right now in the world. And uh, I, I want to start by asking you guys, have, who's ever gone to, who's ever gone to see a movie in a movie theater? Okay, just want to make sure you guys are alive. You guys have done that. Okay, how many of you guys have, have, have had this experience? You try and try and try to get to the movie theater on time, and no matter how hard you try, you end up 15 minutes late, and you go into the theater, and you don't got a clue to what the movie's about because you missed the first 15 minutes, the most important part. Have you guys had that experience before? Okay, isn't Jeff never has. Guys, isn't that a little bit of the way that life is? Here we are. You guys showed up in history sometime in the like late 1990s or early 2000s, and you you got kind of you kind of feel a little bit like you're, there's something really important going on in this epic story, but you're not sure exactly where it is or what it is. Or if you guys ever played a game where you're with a bunch of friends, they'll start playing the game. And you're supposed to know what's going on, and you don't really know what's going on. And you kind of try, but you don't really get what the point of the game is. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so you try and try and try. And you you kind of you play the part, but it doesn't all make sense. Isn't that the way sometimes life is? You're like, I'm not sure what's really going on here. And everybody seems really serious about it. But the more you look around, you start thinking, I'm not sure they know what's going on either. Isn't that a little bit of what's going on right now in this country, in this world, and uh, maybe more than ever before in your lifetimes, you've got a sense of like, does anybody know what's going on here? Everybody pretends they do, but I'm not so sure. And the, here we are, the richest country in the world, the safest country in the world, and everybody seems to be all upset because they're not going to be as safe or as rich as they wanted to be, and they're people are freaked out right now, hoping that maybe their political candidate is going to fix their lives. Guys, it's not—he's not going to fix your life because every government that has ever existed has failed. Every system has failed. Every person that you consider to be the great leader will disappoint you, except for one. There's only one kingdom that will never fail. And that's the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus will reign supreme. Jesus is the answer to this world's problems, and there's no other system that can fix it. Jesus is the answer. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and I want you guys to see what the Bible says about all this. Because we are in an epic drama, and I want you guys to know where we are and what's going to happen, what we can expect to happen. So Psalm 2 Let's look at Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire? In other words, why are the people freaking out and the people's plot in vain? Why are people plotting in vain? The, the idea is here, people are strategizing, 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 trying to pl plan out their campaign, how things are going to work. It is all failure. Everything that you try, everything that the world tries, that isn't for Jesus is going to fail. It doesn't work. It can look like it works for a while, but sooner or later, it all comes down. You guys with me in Psalm 2? 
The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together. The people that you understand what this is saying. Those people who have been given authority, they they have taken the authority, and they're standing against the king, against the the Lord. You see this? Standing together against the Lord and against His anointing one. Who are they standing against? Who are the systems of the world standing against? They're standing against the Lord. And they're standing against this anointing one. Now, I'm not saying that all the governments are bad by any means. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so don't don't misunderstand me. But the system itself is broken. It's broken. We all know that. And no politician is going to fix it. What fixes it is the rule of Christ in your hearts. You know how to change a country. You know how to change the world. It's not through legislating more laws although those might help to some degree to keep peace. But the laws are necessary because the heart hasn't been changed. It's our hearts that need to change if we want change in the world. So keep, keep reading here. Look at, look at what it says that the rulers of this world say. Verse 3, let us break their chains. Whose chains? What, what this psalm is saying that the rulers of the world are saying is, let's break off the, cha- the chains of the Lord and of his Messiah off of us because we don't want anybody telling us what we're supposed to do we should be the masters of our own destiny why let any god tell us what we're supposed to do that's the mantra of this age let us break their chains and throw off their fetters their meaning the lord and his christ verse four the the one enthroned in heaven laughs Starts with, there's four things that he, that, that he does, that the Lord does in, in response to this. First of all, he laughs. He's like, seriously? You to fight me? He laughs. Then, look what he does. The Lord scoffs at them. It's like, yeah, right. You going to fight me? Verse 3. And then, look what he does next. And then he rebukes them in anger. He's like, let me tell you where you're messed up. And finally, he terrifies them in his wrath. What are they afraid of? They're afraid that their freedom, I mean, ultimately, the rulers of this world want, don't let anybody tell me what to do. Let me rule my way. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. You know what they're afraid of? They're afraid of the king that is going to rule from Jerusalem. Verse 7, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Who's speaking? This is Jesus. This is prophetic of Jesus. Ask of me, and I will make, your, make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. And in other words, you know, who's, you know who's the ultimate ruler? You know who's going to take his stand? It's Jesus. He's the ruler. Nobody's going to get in his way. He will reign supreme. Eventually, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he deserves all the glory. So therefore, look at verse 10. Therefore, you kings, wisen up. Be warned, you ruler. I mean, it's like, guys, get a clue. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, 
and you'll be destroyed in your way. You guys understand what this is saying? It's like you got two choices. Kiss the sun. Let's talk about worship. Worship the king or be destroyed. And they're like, that's not very nice. He owns the place. It's his air you breathe. Every ounce of energy comes from him. And, he, and we should be thankful. And you're not thankful? He's like, hell. Let me tell you guys what hell is, is where God says, have it your way. You don't want me? You're on your own. His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Guys, just think about this. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. What is your refuge in today? Who are you putting your refuge in? I mean, as you think about, if only that candidate wins, we're going to be okay. No way. The world goes on. People still fight. People still hate. Now, I'm not saying you should vote. Please. I hope you, I, I could say who voted, but some of you guys might be embarrassed that you didn't. Vote. It matters. But ultimately, we're not voting for a guy who's going to fix all this because nothing fixes it except Jesus. Okay, I want to tell you what's, what the big picture story is. So that was Psalm 2. Now flip over to Daniel 2, okay? Flip over to Daniel 2. How many of you guys have read the book of Daniel before? The whole book. Okay. Guys, Daniel is fascinating. Daniel, the book of Daniel really gives a, a, a more uh, accurate picture of what has gone on in history than maybe any other part of the Bible. So Daniel 2, you guys remember, what, what, about what year was Daniel written? Approximately. 683. 683, pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Maybe that's, maybe that's, that's real, that's pretty close. But 605 was when King Nebuchadnezzar came to Judah, conquered Judah, conquered Jerusalem, put the king of, of Jerusalem under his dominion, let him, let, let him continue to rule, but then he, he takes all the people, all the, all the leaders, all the young people who have potential, he takes them back to Babylon. But he lets Judah continue to rule. Okay, that's 605 B.C. And then in the first year, let's look at or in the first year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. So this is 604 B.C. when chapter 2 is being written. In 604 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. You guys with me? Daniel 2. Daniel 2, verse 1, and so he summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, all the, all the people who should know, and they came in, and he said, I had a dream, and I want you guys to tell me what that dream was and what it means. And they freak out, and they're like, we can tell you what it means. We sure can't tell you what your dream. And he's like, what good are you people? If you can't tell me what my dream means, I'm going to have you all killed. And so they're all shaking. Now, poor Daniel. Daniel's one of the captives who came from Judah, and he's, he's in school. He's in his first year of indoctrination to become a Babylonian official. He's got two years left. And he hears he's going to be put to death because the people who should know don't know. So you're dead meat. And he goes to his friends. Look at what happens. Verse 17 Daniel 2, he returned to the house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Some of you guys know them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised 
the God of heaven. Okay. He prays the God of heaven. This is what he says. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He is the one who sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom. He reveals deep things. Okay, now I want you to skip forward to his conversation with the king. So here's this young Jewish guy brought into the presence of the Babylonian king, the emperor. In verse 26, you guys with me still? You guys understand the story? Okay, verse 26, the king asked Daniel, so are you going to be able to interpret this for me? And all these wise men, all these lives are on the line. And Daniel says, verse 27, Daniel replied, There is no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner who can explain to the king the mysteries asked about. And it's impossible. Anybody know what I dreamed last night? No way. That's impossible. But, look at verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in days to come. So God revealed to Daniel what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. You guys want to know what he dreamed? Okay. So, verse 31. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue. Now, this is the part that I really want you guys to focus on. that, that, That was background about the dream. But here he is. He tells him what he dreams. You dreamed of a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. Verse 32, the head of the statue was made of pure gold. So, guys, get this. Head of pure gold. The chest and arms were silver. Just seeing if you guys are awake. Its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet of iron and partly of clay. So feet are mixed of iron and clay. You guys with me? Okay. So well, you were watching. So Daniel says to the king, in your dream, this is what happened in your dream. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. And it struck the statue on the feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time it became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept all those little particles of dust away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, that's his dream, okay? You guys interested to know what the dream means? King Nebi wants to know, too. So verse 20, verse 44, oh, let's see. Actually, let me, tell you, let me tell you what it is. Verse 36, sorry. So that was the dream, and now we'll interpret the, the dream for the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. In other words, you're, you're, the, you're the big head honcho here. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he's placed all this. In other words, all of it came from God. All authority is from God. And you, king, are that head of gold. Verse 39. After that, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. What kingdom was that? No, Assyria was before. Assyria was before. Assyria is like 700-something B.C. So that's right. Media, Media Persia. Okay, Media Persia. So the next, the next a king, a kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. That's the silver. Next, the third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Which one is that? Very good. It's Alexander the Great. 
Yeah, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Greek Empire. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things into pieces, so it will crush all the others. Okay? So what was the iron kingdom? Rome. Rome. Okay, exactly, Rome. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle, just like the Roman Empire was. Very mixed. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. And he's, what he's prophesying is the, is the breaking apart of the Roman Empire. But here's, what, here's the important part. This is, where, this is the climax of all this. Verse 44. In those times, which times? The times of those kings. That's Roman Empire. In the times of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. In other words, all these kingdoms, kingdoms come, kingdoms go, kings come, kings go, politicians come and go. But the kingdom of Jesus has lasted, outlasted any other government ever. 2,000 years and counting, and it will go for eternity. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out, by, by, uh, cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, and into pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. Okay. There's human history for you. Now, the, you know what, so what, where are we in this right now? Well, you know where we are right now? What was set up during the Roman Empire? What was the rock? This rock came and smashed the, the feet of iron and clay. What broke down the Roman Empire? I mean, you could point to a lot of things. But what I want you guys to notice is what rose out of the Roman Empire was, a, was the Church of Jesus. Now, you guys know history, and we know that the, that the church didn't always do things right. But we're not done. We're not done. Jesus is coming back. His kingdom will prevail. Jesus will get the victory. What do you think the people of the world think about that? They don't like it. And the reason I'm talking about this tonight is because I, all I did yesterday, I don't post stuff on social media hardly ever because people get so worked up about it. But I thought this is, this is so powerful, this is so encouraging that there is a day that the king will reign in righteousness. So I took a picture of verse 44 through 40. Um, 40, 44 and 45, and I stuck it on Facebook. And in your small groups, you're going you're gonna to read the little, just a couple of words that I put there. People freaked out. I can't believe. I mean, there must be people just sitting there waiting for anybody to say anything on Facebook so they can blast them. People freaked out about this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in our, in our small groups, and we're going to talk about um, – there's, there's some questions. I really want you guys to get this. I really want you to understand that this is all part of a master plan of God to establish his kingdom on this planet. And whatever happens in these elections, we're praying for we, – we want peace. We want goodness to prevail. But ultimately, the government of the United States, nor any other government, is going to save us. 
Jesus is the Savior. I want you guys to be encouraged by that. So we're going to break up, and we got 25 minutes or so in our small groups. But first, just, guys, we're small enough here that I can, I can let you guys ask questions. Does anybody got any questions about this or anything you want to talk about at the big group before we break into our different smaller groups? Okay, great. Okay, what does the rock represent? Guess what does the rock represent? Okay, well, which is it? Is it is it the church or is it Jesus or what is it? Mm-hmm. It's a combination. I mean, Jesus is Jesus is the head of his church, but what 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 overturns the kingdoms of the world? Do you guys, if you guys want a great book, there's two great books that that if you I'll remind you if you text me. But what, there's a there's a book there's uh, there's a book probably the first book to read is a book called The Body. Written by Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson is the guy that went to prison for President Richard Nixon. And he became a uh, believer in prison. And he wrote some powerful books. And probably his most powerful book was The Body. And it really documents in there how the Church of Jesus was the, brought about the downfall of, of communism. It was, if it hadn't meant for Christians, communism, who knows what would happen. But it was the Christians that brought it down. Of course, the media didn't talk about that. But he documents in there. It's amazing story. So Jesus is the head of the church, but the church is the most powerful entity that has ever existed. And you guys are part of it. You guys are, I've been given, just like Matt said, everything you need for life and godliness has been given to you. Use that power. Expect that you are representatives of the king. Okay. You, you had a question? Okay, great. And you know the answer to that question, but it's a very good question. Guys, we, are to, we, more than anybody else, should be the people that submit ourselves to the governing authorities. Because it says in Romans 13, and it is the example that the early Christians set for us in face of excruciating situations where they lost their homes, they lost their lives, they were kicked out of their villages, and they set an example of serving the government better than anybody else. It was part of the. That's part of the reason why they turned that they were that so many thousands, tens of thousands of people became believers. That the executioners of those Christians would sometimes become believers and join them in their execution because of the powerful testimony that they had. Guys, the way that we do it is not. We we are not militant. Jesus was not militant. We are not militant. We win the hearts of the people of the world by responding in love. Okay, so we don't, we, we turn the other cheek. There's never been a philosophy like the ki- kingdom of Jesus. We are not militant, and we're sure not militant on Facebook. Okay, any other questions? Anything, anything else you guys want me to mention before we break into groups? Okay, guys, let's break into groups. We've got, we got a group here. We got um, one, two, three. We got three groups upstairs. I think, and if there's too many people, we can have a group over there too. Amen. And then prayer, when you finish your groups, we've got a prayer um, meeting in the prayer room if you guys need prayer. Let's break.